Hello, and welcome to another episode of These Little Moments Podcast. I'm your host, your online health and wellness coach, Brian Kassam. And in this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Aram Gregorian. Yes, this battle-tested name is an amazing coach with nutrition and fitness. And him and I have an amazing conversation of the nuances that go into how you can change, how you can lose weight how to call yourself out on your own bullshit. What are some strategies to help simplify the process of weight loss for you? And uh, yeah, there's just a lot of great nuggets that you're going to pull from this interview that are going to blow your gosh damn mind. Anyways, it's enough of these silliness. I hope you enjoy the episode. See you in there. She's still there. <laughs> My mom's gone, man. <laughs> oh, <poor laughs> she lady. left her. <laughs> yeah, she had to run away the first chance she saw. That's right. Well, she can't. She's not here to fix my mic. But what an what an honor to. I already know you in person. <laughs> I know. I know. I've, see, I've seen you shirtless in person. <laughs> I've seen. I've seen you shirtless. What a treat! At my what house. Treat. <laughs> in your garage. In, in your garage. garage. Uh. So what? You know what? Why don't you just give us the the grand intro to to who you are? Uh, let's just let's just rip that bandaid right the heck off. You know, give us give us your give us your spiel. My spiel, my, my elevator. <laughs> you want the elevator pitch or do you want like the actual? I want the actual. The actual, yeah. <laughs> so I guess the best way to describe what it, who I am, and what I do, is that I'm somebody who has been going down this road for a very long time and by this road i mean this this nutrition and and uh training journey that i think people like to throw that around but it truly is a journey i really do believe mm-hmm. that there's like a lot of shit that you learn along the way that you didn't know and what you didn't know becomes something that you do know and then you get better at it yeah um i started young i was 15 when i first picked up a set of weights and i did it purely out of insecurity and the fact that i wanted to meet <laughs> chicks and yep I was getting no attention. I wasn't an athlete. I didn't have any friends in high school. I came, I was an immigrant from a different country that had all sorts of different customs. So like, I just, it, it was a way to get involved. Yeah. And it was a way to meet people. And it was a way to try to like build some confidence and all the same shit that we tell our clients all the time. Like, you'll help you build confidence and help you build strength. It truly does do that. And Mm -hmm. I think the advantage that I had, which most people don't have is I just started early. I never looked back. Like I never, I never had this period of time in my life where I just like neglected eating a certain way or training. I just never wanted to ever feel like shit. I just, right. I, and I also set up a life that was conducive to it. Like I, I you know, I didn't get married. I didn't have kids. Mm-hmm. So for me, I understand that our clients have all these challenges in front of them, but then there's also people that I show them as examples. I was like, Hey, look, she's got three kids and she makes it work or right. he's got a busy job and he can make it work. So it's just a matter of like, learning how to appropriately eat and train for what it is that you want to achieve. Yeah. And then realizing that it's always going to be a nuisance. It's never going to be something that's just like, oh, cool. Like the runway is always clear for me just to be my fittest self. It's never going to be like that. Right. So what I've done is I've gone through multiple careers. I was in finance for six years. That didn't oh, really didn't really take. Um, I was in sales, in an, in an, in outside and inside sales for indeed.com i worked for a furniture company in new york city um the hell else did i do i worked for a deli for a year and a half as a 30 year old man oh um, a sandwich maker i'm a sandwich right. artist artiste, can't wait to try that bagel cutter sandwich maker 
<laughs> um, let's see. I sold drugs, but recreation. <laughs> Never like <laughs> I, I did more of them than I sold, unfortunately. <laughs> so I was not a good drug dealer. <laughs> like, it, it would be like if I was a donut salesman. Like I'd be the and fattest you, fuck on the planet. You um, gotta stop eating the product, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I could not. Have you have you been to uh sidecar donuts yet? No. Oh, is in there Del one Mar? in Santa Monica? There's one in Del Mar. I don't know if there's one. I in haven't Monica. been. Then I have not been. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's dude. It's it's. You just. I, I don't. I, it's hard to even put words to it. Like you, you just, walk in yeah. and like there's like a light that shines out of it. Yeah, I want you to actually start doing uh like voice acting for like cartoons because you just sounded like uh like the voice from like American Dad. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> Somebody actually told me once that I sounded like Archer. Yeah, well, that's the guy who plays him. Same guy. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh no shit. Okay, like, cool. So there's shit. there's somebody else like me running around. That's unfortunate. <laughs> and obviously, they make a hell of a lot more money than I do. Oh, you're on your way, my friend. We're trying. My, I have a question for you right off the bat. Is uh, so you 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 had like you had like this early indoctrination to working out because you because built off of insecurities, right? But uh what did you have any like examples like whether it's like your family life or people surrounded by you where you're like oh like it is important to keep maintaining my health because you know obviously based on looks but also because maybe x y and z no i mean my mom not particularly healthier in shape my dad yeah. kind of like a lifelong soccer enthusiast and played a little bit when he was in the army in armenia yeah had me playing soccer early but i hated it it just yeah. wasn't a sport that I enjoyed. I enjoyed it later on in life. Like I, I kind of got back into it. They played on Sundays with a bunch of Russian guys. Mm -hmm. When I was in my late twenties and thirties, I kind of rejoined that like pick up those pickup games on Sunday mornings, and I found it to be fun. It was a great way yeah. to run around. It was fun to just connect with my dad, who was already like at that point almost in his seventies, and it was nice mm -hmm. for us to do something together because we didn't really do much. Yeah. Um. But no, my, I had, I had, there was no direction whatsoever. So the only direction I had was what most of us had as kids, which is bro science yeah. and magazines and books and stuff that we like had yeah. to actually go and pursue. And I think that's one of the fundamental problems when it comes to nutrition fitness is how many people are on Instagram consuming the shitty content yeah, and then not really ever diving deep into the really helpful stuff and then trying to actually understand some of these rabbit holes that people are putting mm -hmm. out there because people yeah. don't understand things like training volume and intensity. They don't understand yeah digestive optimization or hormone optimization like these are things that get thrown around at a very surface level because it is short form content yeah but if people were to spend their time educating themselves about these topics they would be a lot more self-sufficient mm -hmm. and then they wouldn't be sold all the bullshit that they're buying that's essentially putting them further away from their goals so it's like right. it's either you pay somebody to expedite that learning curve for you mm -hmm. or you spend the time and the energy if you're not going to spend the money to learn it yourself yeah but don't ever feel like that information isn't available because it very much is. I mean, between yeah. your account, Kevin's account, my account, I mean, there's a mm -hmm. thousand people that you and I and Kevin are connected to right? that are good coaches that are putting out free, helpful, applicable, actionable information daily. Mm -hmm. But what's the problem? People are just not following it consistently enough because every time there's any sign of resistance, they stop. Right. How? Do, when, when did you... Cause I, I can remember that the point in time where I was like, Oh, I, what I've been doing is bullshit. Right. When did you, <laughs> when did you transition from like um, maybe like how you first got started into training and nutrition to like, 
less bro science and more like, like you said, like optimization and uh, better nutrition habits, all that. So I don't want to shit on bro science because I think bro science has its place. Like I know sure. plenty of bodybuilders in the 70s, 80s, 90s didn't know what they were doing. There's plenty of recreational bodies that bodybuilders that don't know what they're doing and they have great physiques. Mm-hmm. So a great physique can be built on very limited knowledge, but just a lot of work, effort and time. Right. The problem is, is that it's all encompassing. Like mm-hmm. the chasing of a physique is not the same thing as like chasing a little bit of health improvement. Mm. But what do most people start lifting and training a certain way for? They start doing it because they want to look a certain way. And the ideal that they have yeah. in their head may not be matching up to what the reality of their situation is mm-hmm. because people don't realize how much it really takes. Like you and I, this is like, this is our life. Like we eat, sleep, yeah. breathe, like everything. Our life is, we wake up, we make content about this stuff for our audience. We help our our clients with their results. We're talking about this stuff every day. We're immersed in it. Mm-hmm. It would be no different than if we were in Wall Street. We'd be really good at understanding financial models and, and right. formulas and understanding where the stocks are moving. Because when I hear about that stuff, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm so far out of the loop from that air, from that world because I don't pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Just like most people are not paying attention to the latest research. They're not paying attention to practical nutritional information. They're not paying mm-hmm. attention to advancements in training technologies. Right. But we are. We're on the top of all of that stuff because that's our job. Right. But what people are hearing is the buzzworthy, the quick fix, the stuff yep. that's selling that's really immediate because that they those types of companies will use media to get that message across because it's mm-hmm. fast and it doesn't require any effort. Mm-hmm. When the stuff that you and I are pitching, which is mindfulness, <laughs> education, time, effort, right? That's that stuff's not very sellable or sexy because right. it requires their them to be accountable to their actions. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I, go ahead. It's it's just hard, man. It's a tough industry to be in because as much as you want to help everybody, people have to actually also be willing to help themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's and that's the right. That's when we talk like behavior change, right? When it's literally like because you can be like clearly we are you and I are in like the maintenance stage of behavior where we're like yes, like it's it's not even a question when I'm going to get my workout and if I'm traveling, I'm trying to figure out if there's a gym near me or like like a cool place I can get lunch after that might have like good options for food right but for others it's it's like you said it's it's not digestible right away right because it, it's not like you said it's not sexy right it's it's sounds too hard right it's like oh you want me to fucking track everything i eat it's that's preposterous i, yeah, how, how, how no dare you? <laughs> I only look at the miles per hour in my car when i'm speeding that's right <laughs> Well, I would believe that for you, actually. <laughs> yeah, in my Subaru. I'm not, right. go, I'm not going too fast. Till the wheels fall off, baby. <laughs> no, like I, I just had my friend in town and I had posted about yeah. it this morning. So this is a person who just, he's a buddy of mine. I've known him since fourth grade. Yeah. When you look at him aesthetically, he looks like somebody who's been training or working out his whole life. Like he's in better mm-hmm. shape than most guys his age. He's 39. I'm 39. We grew up mm-hmm. together. He's a, he's a sergeant in the police department in Hartford, Connecticut. So, you know. Shadow Connecticut. Shout out CT. He's he is it is Hartford 860 or 203? I think it's 860. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I agree. 203. Um, Shout out Connecticut, but fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like when you look at him, he looks like he knows what he's doing. So let's let's yeah. say, for example, he was giving out information to people. And let's say that information was completely inappropriate for those individuals. He would still have credibility just purely based on his aesthetic because he looks right. like he knows what he's doing. He looks relatively fit. And I hate 
this idea of like, well, because you're thin or you have muscle on you that you automatically right. know what you're doing or that you're healthy or that you're fit. I hate all that terminology. Right. So spending a couple of days with me, I was kind of trying to like get him into understanding food tracking, understanding portion control, understanding better decisions at restaurants, how booze impacts you, all this other stuff, because he was mm -hmm. going to be here right. Friday to Monday. And we were going to have a couple of different things go on. So the first thing he realized, he's like, holy shit, there's calories in everything that I put in my mouth. And I have to really be aware of that because it yeah. can get out of hand quick. Like something as simple as like he was making a coffee one morning. I'm like, well, cool. Weigh the creamer. Yeah. He's like, well, why? I'm like, well, look at it. He's like, well, what am I looking at? I'm like, how many grams of fat is it per serving? He said two. I said, how many servings did you use? Uh, hold on a second. He had to like figure out, do the math. He's like, well, I used four. I'm like, how many grams of fat is that? Eight. Okay. Eight times nine, 72 calories. Boom. Mm -hmm. Like now he's armed with that information whereas prior it wasn't even a consideration to him he didn't even right. know right it's like i can't believe that my morning coffee that i thought wasn't even a problem not yep. granted 72 calories is not a problem right because i don't he still has that idea of like food being good or bad mm -hmm. but that's what many people are walking around with the ideology of is like that there's good foods and there's bad foods as opposed to everything can be done within a scope of 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 uh tolerance or, mm -hmm. or comfort if you understand how to properly dose that food right like we had um on sunday night have you have you been to that place mike's mike's red tacos yes with the with the consomme and all that with the beer I mean, and the tacos so oh, holy shit <laughs> like i'm sorry like if i was to list out my sunday and i actually yeah. tracked it accurately i would have been north of six thousand calories Oh, let's go. No, granted, like <laughs> that I wake up on Monday morning and immediately step on the scale and start crying because I didn't make progress over the weekend. Right. No, because I also didn't expect to. Right. Because I drank all day Saturday and then I ate like shit on Sunday. Yeah. And when I when I say ate, eat like shit, it's in relation to how I normally eat, which right. is controlled, portioned, stuff cooked at home, not eaten out. That to me mm -hmm. is shittier quality than I'm used to because I'm used to controlling my food environment. Right. But there's other people who, to them, Mike's Red Tacos for lunch is what they do every single day. Right. And yep. how do you control that? You have no idea how much cheese they use, how much oils. And I mean, you see the oil it, it, oh, yeah. on the on top of the consomme that's sitting up yeah. inches high. <laughs> so like, that's all fat calories. And that can add up as very quickly, right? We know that nine calories per gram of fat, that's double protein carb calories. That adds up super fast. So mm -hmm. He's sitting here going through the motions of it. And granted, he has an advantage because he was able to spend a couple of days with me. Most of our clients will never have that opportunity. Right. So we have to teach them through Zoom or through PDFs or through courses or modules, mm -hmm. through posts, whatever, how to educate them and how to pay attention to this stuff. And then they have to go out into the real world and practice what we teach them, mm -hmm. which for us, food tracking, like I don't think putting something on a scale is disordered, nor does it impact me emotionally whatsoever anymore. For sure. Because I've been doing it for 10 years plus, and it doesn't, it's not a nuisance to me. I have mm -hmm. two scales on either one of my counters. They're being used all day. Right. But for most people, what scale are they paying attention to? The one on the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, and God forbid they use the one on the counter. And the one right. on the counter is going to dictate the one on the ground. Right. But everybody's so obsessed with like, well, I had a bad weekend and I, and I got fat. It's like, no, mm -hmm. you're fat because of multiple bad weekends. <laughs> You're right. fat or you have accumulated fat because this is how you live your life on an every weekend to weekend basis. Whereas right. for me, I had July 15th on the schedule six months ago. Right. I knew that I was going to a party and I was going to overconsume, over drink. And then mm -hmm. I knew the next day was going to be a disaster. Whereas most people aren't living that mind. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, it's 
at the end of the day, it comes down to like understanding your truth, right? Where it's like, you understand majority of your actions are going to take you to your goal, right? Mm -hmm. Which most people, it's either lack of awareness or just eating their own bullshit, right? Where it's yes. like, I, I'm either complete, like your, your buddy, I'm completely unaware there was 72 calories in my fucking coffee in the morning. But then there's people who, like you said, they, they, they eat their own bullshit to the point where they, they're focused on the numbers on the scale on the ground more so than the actions that, you know, are within their eyesight, right? Or what they can do every day. And kind of like you said, that's kind of what like continues this cycle that people get trapped in for years on end because they're not doing the majority of the actions they need to to affect the change that they want. It's literally as simple as that. I think the problem is, is because when you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say that I'm responsible for this, yeah. when the rest of the world is telling you, no, it's not you, it's your eating disorder. Right. Or no, it's not you, it's your hormones. Right. No, it's not you, it's your age. Right. No, it's not you. It's because your parents had bad backs and that's why you have a bad back. So all right. this bullshit is being told to people to remove the responsibility away from them. Mm, yeah. And then they believe it. Like they, and I hate when people get labeled and I yes. know that eating disorders are real. I understand that yep. mental health is real and we have mm -hmm. to, we have to function within that scope. Mm -hmm. But if you tell yourself you're sick, you're sick. Yeah. Like you're sick. That's it. It's over. Like you, that's, you've already labeled, you labeled yourself and it's a very comfortable, mm -hmm. heavy blanket to wear, as opposed to saying, I have this issue, yeah. but I'm actively pursuing a resolution to it. Yeah. So what? why not try to empower yourself with some level of, of, of strength and hope? As opposed mm -hmm. to just being like, oh, fuck it. I have a binge eating disorder. I'm just going to succumb to it. And every weekend is going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. or every night that I undereat all day and then overconsume at night, that's going to be my problem. Yeah. It can be if you allow it to be. Or, I mean, how many free resources for mental health are there now? There's apps you can download where you can literally be connected to a free mental health care specialist. Yeah. Well, at least, yes. Is it the best health care? No. Is it something that's better than zero? Of course it is. Mm -hmm. You can listen yeah. to podcasts. You can listen to audio books and all this shit is free and it's everywhere. But what does it do? It requires effort. Mm -hmm. It requires you knowing that it exists and it requires you accessing it and then mm -hmm. actually following through with it. Yeah. Like my brother's a perfect example. He's a fucking functioning alcoholic. And with multiple times, he's, he's said he wants to change and he wants to improve and he hasn't. He hasn't taken one step towards improvement. And it's because mm -hmm. he hasn't been in enough pain to have to change. Mm -hmm. Right. He hasn't been threatened with the loss of anything yet. Like mm -hmm. lately now, the conversation is, well, hey, you're going to lose your family. Right. Your kids are not going to want to be around you. Your wife is not going to want to interact with you anymore. Mm -hmm. As a, So what, ha what happens like when people are finally desperate enough to lose weight? Well, they don't start changing their lifestyle. They run to bariatric surgery. Right. Or they run to go get a Ozempic or they run yep. to go get another surgery or another drug as, as opposed to just, okay, cool, fuck it. I'm going to dial it in now. I'm going to take the last five years of being miserable. I'm going to apply that energy to the next five years of changing my life. Mm -hmm. And then for the remainder of my life, I'll have all these beautiful skill sets put into place that will actually help me live a better quality of life. As opposed to, I'm going to put a Band-Aid on it. I'm going to get this quick fix thing that's not going to change yep. any of my underlying psychology. It's not going to change right. any of my behavior whatsoever. Yep. And then at, at first sign of stress or trouble or resistance, I'm going to go right back to old behavior. And mm -hmm. none of the surgeries and none of the pills are going to ever be able to change that. Right. Absolutely. And I think you, you what a great, you just had a great tangent. <laughs> like I'm right, taking notes as you're right. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. 
the so you touched on a few things i think one the the labeling right where this is why we always preach that your words are powerful right because if you're if you're constantly like you said if you're constantly labeling yourself if you're constantly spinning a narrative that validates that label right then you become that label right so so what you're talking about is identity mm -hmm. right which most people who say they want change, right, whether it's behaviorally, whether it's nutritionally, whether it's weight loss, whatever it might be, they, they always self sabotage, because they still deep down inherently believe that they are that person who will always binge eat, right, or that person who always struggles with the weekends, or that person who always self sabotages when they lose that weight, right? or reward, whatever it might be. So it, so when you said labels, like I, I merely wrote down identity, right? Cause, cause you aren't going to change until you believe that you can change. And also not just believe because belief is bullshit. If you don't have a structure or plan in place, right? So you need to not only believe that you can do it, but you need to create the identity of the person you're trying to become. Right. Perfectly. I mean, my buddy, my podcast partner, Jimmy talks about this all the time. Like don't start living like a fit person until you, uh, you know, after you lose the weight, mm -hmm. do all the things that fit people do. Right. Now, you may not look like one yet, right? Like, let's say you got 70 pounds to lose. Cool. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Like, at least you're on your way. You're doing those things. You're going to the grocery store to buy healthy, real, natural foods. Mm -hmm. You're putting meals together. You're cooking most of your stuff at home. You're going to the gym two or three times a week. You're taking right. steps. You're drinking water. It's just going to take however long it's going to take. Yeah. Like, don't beat yourself up about the fact that, well, all these fit people at the top of the mountain, well, yeah, they still had that climb also. Like some mm -hmm. had an easier climb than others, but they had to still climb to get there. Right. You're just at the bottom. You just haven't started yet. Mm -hmm. But the longer you put off starting or the more you stop on the way up and start falling backwards, the harder that distance is going to be to achieve. Mm -hmm. But it, it's no different than like, like I always use the traffic analogy for people. It's like, how many times are you driving and you're going to hit traffic? It's going to happen wherever you go, especially if you live on the East Coast in New York, Metro, or if you live in <laughs> LA, you're going to hit plenty of traffic. But whatever distance you travel to hit that jam, you already covered that distance. Right. So I don't like this narrative that people place on themselves where it's like, I failed. Mm. You know, like I ate Mike's Red Tacos on Sunday and completely blew my plan. It's like, no, I'd already drove that distance. I have 25 years of driving behind me. Right. So one day of standing still ain't going to do shit to my progress. Mm -hmm. It's going to do nothing. Right. It's going to it's going to put some mental health back in. It's going to make me realize how it feels good to feel good. Right. How certain foods don't cooperate with my system and I should stay away from them. Right. So all it does is it reinforces that drive. As right. opposed to what most people do is like, well, I'm in traffic. I'm just going to get out of the car and start walking back to my house. Right. Yeah. Why? Why? You still have a destination in mind. You haven't gotten there. Mm -hmm. And right. when at, along the way, you may realize you want to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that's the other beautiful part about this journey is there's nothing, there is no end in sight. Like you should be eating well and moving mm -hmm. your body for the rest of your fucking life. Right. Like, right. Don't you want to be a 90 year old who can get himself off the, or him or herself off the toilet, not mm -hmm. need the help of your family, not have right. your family sit there and watch you slowly wither away under 55 different medications while you're a victim to the medical system? Right. Because everybody starts with on this journey for an aesthetic purpose. Yep. And they forget about the massive benefits to the quality of life that occur when you start living in this way.
Mm -hmm. So I don't want like, yeah, of course, like I, I do it with mainly vanity as the focus, but I also know that I can enjoy the health subset consequences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But along the way, if you start getting healthier, your body will probably shift in that direction as well. Aesthetically. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really love your traffic analogy because I mean, to me, it's, it's like you said, it's you, you sit uncomfortably for those extra 10 to 30 minutes of traffic to get to your destination or you pull off off the next exit and you say fuck it like not going there today right and and that's i think that's the biggest and we kind of theme of this is like the biggest issue with with most people when it comes to giving up is you you didn't you didn't give yourself the time to handle being uncomfortable right so well said dude i think people don't have any tolerance for it anymore Mm-hmm. like a, like the first sign of resistance right like i was told at work that i wasn't productive my girlfriend has a problem with how i communicate mm-hmm. you know my mother's giving me shit about this that or the other thing or i don't feel good today i might as well just stop living my life it's not worth it as opposed mm-hmm. to like discomfort is a part of life right like it's never going to be comfortable daily it's impossible like mm-hmm. people think that their whole life is going to be a vacation right like that's the expectation like every day is going to be cancun on on saturday Right. It's not. Most days are fucking the courthouse on Tuesday. <laughs> right. Like most most days are that traffic jam in the middle of the afternoon. That's what most days feel like. They're mundane. They're about the same. And yep. the only person that makes them fun is you. You extract positivity out of every day. Mm-hmm. So don't expect the world to be this positive, amazing, fun place every day or right. food to taste amazing or every day to be this amazing upward achievement because it won't. Be. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's also like. I mean, kind of like mental outlook 101 is like, how do you digest what's around you, right? Are you are you digesting as this is miserable or this is uh, what's undoing me or are you digesting as this is a lesson? And I actually didn't suck as much as when this happened last time or right? like, how are you looking for those wins that are propelling you forward and also giving you some sort of motivation? right to continue this uncomfortable journey where guess what even when you get to the end goal right in quotes it's like very uncomfortable stuff <laughs> it's almost in more fact, uncomfortable i was gonna say it, yeah like people don't realize like they're like oh it must be so easy for you i'm like do you understand how much i love all the shit that you're just eating every day <laughs> like it's my life is way like okay i don't have the kids i don't have the three businesses. I don't have the wife. I don't have the house, the mortgage payment, but I have bills. Right. I have 70 people I take care of every single day that I have to think about and care about and reach out to and make sure mm-hmm. that they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. I got two dogs. I got like, I have all the same responsibilities. Maybe I have more available time because of the way that I structure my schedule and I have less responsibilities on the weekend. So I have more freedom. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to invalidate that people's lives aren't individually or uniquely hard because I'm sure, sure they are. But it doesn't matter. Like other people have overcome the challenges you have and other right. people made it work under those same conditions or even worse. Right. So I don't want anybody to ever think that they're not capable of something. It just means right. that they haven't tried hard enough to find a way through it yet. And I right. like the idea of through it as opposed to around it. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I think not only try hard enough, but try long enough. Right. I mean, right. like that's, it's like, you know, like you need it's effort meets consistency which is what we always preach it's like yes you need to try fucking hard but also like 
you need to find that balance where it's like you're pushing yourself, but you're also giving yourself grace and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, patience to allow yourself to keep putting forth consistent effort to where you're trying to get to. And I think like, like we were talking about is even when you do get to your end goal in quotes, it's like you, you, you find yourself that you you've created more, even more awareness around what's around you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's what happened to me when I started diving more into my mental health. I just realized there's more that I don't fucking know. And there's a ton more work that I actually have to do now that I've almost like you awaken the bear, right? Like now that you have, you're in this maintenance stage of fitness and nutrition, you, now you just fully understand. It's like, there's a lot more to me being consistent and doing these actions now that I'm fully aware of. Whereas before it was almost like ignorance is bliss type of deal, right? Where it's like, again, going back to your buddy with the coffee, ignorance was bliss. This is just my, my coffee in the morning. What are you talking about? Right. But now you come more aware of the details and you understand how all these details play a role with maintaining and where you're trying to be. And I just realized that I never addressed the, the point that you had asked me about before. I was like, when did you start to really sharpen things up? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have been, you know, again, 25 years of training experience. I would say about 15 years of emphasis on quality eating and nutrition, mm -hmm. but not really anywhere outside of the last two years have I really been dialed in. And I, and I attribute that all to my education and my curiosity over the last couple of years and really mm -hmm. being immersed in this business and being around people that were smarter than I was. And then my training got better and more specific. Mm -hmm. My nutrition got better and more specific. And like, then the nuances started to matter because the surface level stuff I'd already achieved. So right. I was already like A to B was easy. B to C was a bit harder. C to D is much fucking harder. And now like right. if you go from D to E to E to E to F, like now we're talking about like, you have to sharpen that skill set even much more. And then mm -hmm. you still have to maintain all the shit that you did up to that point. <laughs> right. So it's like, you got to maintain all those actions that you did from A to D. Right. People think like, it's like, I get to the mountain, then I just come back down. Right. You got to stay on top of there. Like you still have, you have to, you're living there now. Like that is your new average. Right. So the stuff that you did to get there is the stuff you have to maintain to keep sitting there. And mm -hmm. then if you want more, you have to do either more or better. Yeah. I think Absolutely. better is ideal because sometimes it's not always about more, right? Because what do people yeah. think? Like, oh, I, I'm not losing weight, so I need to do more exercise or eat less food. Mm -hmm. Well, how about do better exercise and eat better food? Mm -hmm. Like maybe dial in your portions. If you're somebody who didn't have to portion control on the way to their journey, now you might have to. Maybe you didn't right. track on the way there. Now you have to track. And maybe, you know, because people are like, well, I don't want to have to track forever. Mm -hmm. well, I mean, you're going to pay attention to your finances forever. Mm -hmm. you're going to keep opening up the banking app on your phone forever. You're going to keep looking into your checking account forever. You're going to keep watching the road signs on the road forever. You're going to keep mm -hmm. looking at your speedometer forever. Mm -hmm. You're going to keep monitoring your blood work forever. So why not track your food? Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have to, but if it's a tool that's available to you and you're constantly unhappy with how you look and feel, mm -hmm. use the fucking tools that are available to you and stop right. complaining that they're there. Right. Like, it's not like, I, this is the one thing about this whole like disordered eating community that I really have a problem with. It's like, they're telling you it's disordered because you're putting stuff on a scale. Now, mm -hmm. granted, is it appropriate for everybody? No. Right? Like if an alcohol, like, are you going to put a, a fridge full of beers in, at an alcoholic's house three weeks right. after they got out of rehab? Probably right. not. But right. three years after rehab, they should be able to fucking handle it. Mm-hmm. Because they, hopefully over the course of three years of dealing with their disease, they probably found some coping mechanisms that work. 
Right. Well, maybe if you just got out of an eating disorder re- rehabilitation center, maybe you shouldn't track food after the first three weeks. Right. But if you're fucking 45 and you're still blaming your problems on your childhood and all that other bullshit, like figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're meant to, like, if you have children, shame on you. Mm-hmm. If you have a responsibility to your business or to your employees or whatever else, or you have people that you take care of, it is your responsibility to deal with your mental health. And there's plenty mm-hmm. of resources out there. So if you haven't dealt with your mental health yet, stop talking about fucking fat loss. Mm-hmm. Like it's not yeah. in the cards for you. It just isn't like, I don't give a shit what you say. I don't care how many diets you do, how many trainers you hire. Yeah. You haven't fixed the gray matter in between your ears yet. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's like, that's like preaching to my journey. Cause there was, there was a point in time where I was too focused on sharpening fitness and nutrition. And I didn't even pay mind to my mental health. Right. So it's, it is like a, it's a constant, right? So it, it's like a, I, I now am able to appreciate my fitness, my nutrition, my relationship with food, uh, my vulnerability, like all these things I'm able to appreciate and sharpen together in unison now because I now pay attention to my mental health. I now have a, just like I have a gym routine where I know every single fucking day I'm going to the gym. I know what I'm going to have for dinner that night. I have the same thing with my mental health, Right. So what are therapist. some things that you do for your mental health now? Yeah, I see a therapist consistently. Okay. Right? So I, I have an appointment each month, right? So it's not like when I first started going to therapy, it was like once or twice a week. Um, it's it's similar to like once you lose that weight, like you can slowly, either slowly like stop. You don't need to use the tool of tracking as much because you just fucking get it and you have a clear understanding of what your portion should look like. Same yep. thing with like that mental health and therapy. It's like once you really get to the bottom of things, you get to those root causes, then it becomes like maintenance, right? So therapy is huge for me. Meditation, honestly, is and, and this is like my my favorite thing to challenge people with, because I'll have clients who they'll they'll run fucking two miles before they sit down for three minutes to just be and be still, right? Like people are just petrified to be with their thoughts, sit still and breathe. They'd much rather do that extra workout they'd much rather like eat clean or whatever it might be than sit with themselves right so like meditation's huge for me because i was somebody who was literally having panic attacks in the gym at one point because it was just too much going on right there's too much buzz and i didn't give myself that time to to relax and chill so therapy meditation journaling's huge for me i have like fucking journal detailing everything from my life from 2015 up until like last week right so yeah so it's literally and i didn't and i didn't get there because uh because i my therapist just recommended it one time it's like it took a lot of sort of almost a traffic analogy right like that uncomfortable of sitting for 10 20 30 minutes this is like of course for five years right to finally get to a place where now there's a routine in place. Now there's much more awareness in place. Now there's much more sharpening and the ability to get back on track much more quick, quickly than in the past, right? Yeah. So as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> that was like, like, I couldn't appreciate my physical health until I actually paused to appreciate my mental health and work on my mental health. And it doesn't mean that you can't do both simultaneously. For it's just, sure. It's just that you can't go full throttle in every aspect of your life. It's yeah. just impossible. Like I, and I think women are always the worst at this because the expectation of women in our society is to be like these 
just all encompassing caretakers and then never pay any attention to themselves. And I work with mm. mostly women who I'm seeing this constantly, right? Yeah. They're taking care of the kids. They're taking care of the dogs. They're taking care of the husband. They're taking care of the household. They're going to work. Mm-hmm. And then who comes last? They come last. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. And it's sad because, I mean, if, if that's an absolute necessity and you don't have an option, fine. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. how my, I, I grew up watching my mother do that because she, mm-hmm. there was no choice. Right. But most of the people that are coming to us have a choice. Most of, yeah. the, most of the people that are coming to us have a support network. They just haven't built strong enough boundaries around themselves to use that mm-hmm. support network. Like they don't put any demands on their children. Like, hey, you're fucking 15. Figure out how to do your own laundry. Right. Or, hey, like you're my husband. You should be supporting my weight loss journey by not filling the cupboards with a bunch of shit that you want to eat. Mm-hmm. Like, just know that those things are triggers for me. And I probably don't want them in the house for a little while and just respect that. Or, mm-hmm. Hey guys, like I don't want to go out and drink with you every single weekend. Like maybe we can go on a hike. Maybe we can go for a walk. Maybe we can yeah. go paddleboarding or some shit. Like as opposed to just all you guys ever do is like you're foodies and you have to go eat every weekend. Right. You know. So I I think like sometimes like people are just afraid of drawing those circles around themselves and yeah. staying within those boundaries. And I think then because of that lack of demand, they don't come off stern enough. And then mm-hmm. it's like it's it's a you know well why aren't you drinking this weekend? Well, I'm trying to be good. Yeah, like I'm not drinking this week because I don't fucking feel like drinking this weekend. Right. Why do I have to explain to myself to you? I'm an adult. Yeah. If you want to drink, I'm not stopping you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take away from your good time because I'm not having a vodka soda. You can have as many right. as you want. Mm-hmm. But stop questioning me about it. But most people, what do they do? They want to be polite. Mm-hmm. They want to placate to the feelings of others. So what do they do? They grab that cocktail. And then three, four later, mm-hmm. now their inhibitions are down. They're eating whatever the fuck is in front of them. And then Monday mm-hmm. comes around and it's back to that same self-loathing narrative of like, well... Mm. This weekend got away from me, not because of anybody else, but your your choices. You decided mm. to placate to the people around right. you as opposed to staying firm to your own beliefs and values. Right. Absolutely. And, and I think to that point, too, is is that's vulnerability, right? Because you need to be vulnerable enough and aka strong enough, right, to be able to communicate your frustrations. Yep. Right. And I, I think. That's the tough part with anybody is if you if you need to set boundaries, then you need to have that difficult conversation with whoever it is to establish those boundaries. But yep. I think the the biggest obstacle when it comes to establishing boundaries is you are fearful of hurting someone or hurting yes. a scenario yes. or hurting this environment or this friendship group, or whatever it might be. But we failed and this is i actually wrote this down too because you were talking about reframing prior where it's like well how do you reframe your thoughts or reframe this to be able to understand the other point of view right so like to get to that place where it's like you're looking at it where if you communicate these boundaries if you communicate these things that you perceive will hurt somebody well you need to reframe it in a way where it's well, I'm doing this because I want to have this relationship with somebody and I want to strengthen this relationship or I want to have a great friendship, right? And I'm doing this because it's going to suck right now having this conversation in the short term, right? But in the longevity, in the long-term scheme of things, this is only going to strengthen whatever relationship or scenario this is because I communicated how I'm actually feeling or I communicated my goals or communicated how I need that support. Or it'll eliminate the people that you don't need to be around. Exactly. You know, it'll, it'll, it'll open up the exposure to seeing like, I think COVID was a great opportunity for us to really learn about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually lost a lot of friends during COVID. 
Um, I was going through some shit in my life and I had spent, now granted, I think you should always be a person who does things for other people with not without the expectation of anything in return. Mm -hmm. But I think just good natured humans should want to serve others, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Um, mm -hmm. I, maybe that's just my nature, but I think that good natured people should always want to serve others and help others. Mm -hmm. And when I was going through what I was going through, it was crickets. Mm -hmm. And the re one of the reasons why I moved out to California was because I realized that I, I had nobody around anymore. I was, mm -hmm. I was in my late thirties. I was by myself. My business had kind of grown to the capacity it was going to grow. All my friends were married and engaged or having kids or whatever. So I just realized that there was, I had no network or support system around me anymore. So let me, if I'm going to be by myself, let me go to by myself to a place that I want to at least rebuild my, myself, my identity, my mental health. And that's mm -hmm. why I chose to come here. Mm -hmm. But I had lost, I mean, you know, I just found out the other day that a kid I stopped talking to during COVID is getting married in like a couple of weeks. And then there was a bachelor party and all my other friends went. I didn't know about it, obviously. Yeah. Well, I could sit here and be butthurt about it. Or I could say, hey, like I showed up for him when he needed it. He didn't show mm -hmm. up for me when I needed it. He was on a journey that I wasn't aware of. He wasn't aware of mine. I I, I could sit here and hold a grudge about it. Or I could be like, right. hey, man, congrats. Hope you're good. And bury the hatchet. Right as opposed to walking around with that chip on my shoulder and always being mis mm -hmm. a miserable fuck. And I think that's what happens mm -hmm. to most people is that they, they think that people are doing things to them right? as opposed to doing things for themselves. So right. if you're going to be like that in life, then do the same thing with your nutrition and training, mm -hmm. like carve, be selfish a little bit, like tell people right. like, cool, I'll meet you at happy hour mm -hmm. after I go to the gym and after I eat my dinner. So that way I don't have to eat whatever's at the restaurant. I can just already come full, have a cocktail, come and have some laughs and then I'll leave mm -hmm. on my own accord. Right. As opposed to I'm going to ditch what I already had planned and I'm going to come and placate to you because God forbid I'm missing out on something, which really, you know, you're not. Right. And yeah, it's just, it's just understanding that you can, you, you're allowed to balance all these things. Maybe mm -hmm. balance will be thrown off in the initial stage of stuff until you kind of get yourself to a, to a rolling place of a rhythm. Mm -hmm. But then at some point you absolutely can have balance. Yeah. But balance also means that there's still going to be effort on either side of it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also what what you define balance as, right? Like what yeah. what you define balance as might be vastly different from what I define it. Right. So it's, sure. it's at the end of the day, it's if you are OK with your definition of balance, especially in in different seasons of life. Right. Like it, it's going to be vastly different what your definition of balance is as long as you're OK with it. And it's that's it as long as you're okay with it you're like that that's but all that matters you're talking about radical acceptance like you're talking okay. about this idea of like i accept my reality as is mm -hmm. and i know that my reality is a byproduct of my decision making or the universe placing whatever it did on, on my plate mm -hmm. so you have and you have to be able to live that way in my opinion yeah. to be a productive happy content human being mm -hmm. whether you made a decision good or bad and you can live with it or you were handed a shitty or a good card and you were able to mm. live with it. That's yeah. the highest form of living to me. Like that you're self-aware, you're yep. emotionally intelligent, you're accepting of every situation. You don't try to control things that you can't control. Because mm -hmm. where does most people's stress come from? It comes from trying to control things that are out of their control. Mm -hmm. It comes from not controlling the things that they can control. Right. It comes from the feeling of overwhelm due to a lack of a structure or a time mm -hmm. frame or a mm -hmm. or a um a schedule. Right. And it comes from the anxiety that stems from those things. Mm -hmm. So if you started to be able to have a routine, have a structure, 
learn how to accept that you can't change certain people or things and, and then change the things that you do control. Right. Holy shit. Now all of a sudden every <laughs> door is a door that's open as opposed to a door that's closed. Yeah. And it's not something that doesn't come without some time and some practice. Right. Yeah. And I, and, and I love, I, I love that you touched on like play with the cards you're, you're given because that's exactly what my mentor back in high school, he was like this 65 year old guy taught me everything again, gave, gave without asking for anything in return. Uh, and, and his life was brutal. Like his, his, you know, wife left him at one point, his kids were across the country. You know, he was taking care of his, uh, his, his grandson who had, uh, you know, mental, mental health needs and, and autistic needs, but he always showed up still, right? Like, and he always, always just saying, I'm just playing with the cards that are dealt, right? And controlling what you can and understanding there will be things you cannot control. And both of those things are more than okay, right? And then the other thing too is, is you know, feeling like uh, when things are spinning out of your control, it's always a good thing to have those lifelines that you can grasp onto right so lifeline could yeah. be a routine a lifeline could be mental health physical routine right like these are all things that you can hold on to when when the the seas are rocky as fuck oh dude i mean in 2020 <laughs> when when i was going through my breakup and i was in like the worst place i had been in a very long time i mean i was i don't know that a day went by where i wasn't a sobbing mess in my car for at least 10 to 20 minutes a day or mm -hmm. if i was just sitting on the couch at the end of the day just contemplating why the fuck am i here when is mm -hmm. the pain gonna end mm -hmm. it was rough man and, and if without that routine and without having purpose with my work and without having a purpose of keeping myself healthy mentally and physically i would have spiraled out of control now granted yeah. during COVID, obviously like it was going to be tough to like go to bars and drink my sorrows away but i could right. easily just go to the liquor store and bought whatever what was everybody else doing people put on fucking 40 pounds because they drank every day mm -hmm. and i decided just i mean i was lucky enough to have access to a gym in stanford and i was able to go yep. there as often as i wanted to and there was a great community of people that were still going during that time yep. so i found kind of like that life vest and that life raft for myself in a really mm -hmm. shitty time and it was routine that fucking saved me so yeah I, feel, I think when stress is the highest and the demands on life are the highest, being able to realign your focus and your structure to some of the most simplest, basic things in life, which is, are you moving your body? Are mm -hmm. you eating in accordance to how you want to feel? Do you have a set routine to go to bed and wake up in the morning? And do you have mm -hmm. some type of an aim on a daily basis? Mm -hmm. Because how many people are just kind of just going through the motions? Like they're just kind of like, right. eh, I'm just waiting for the day to end. Right. I don't want days to end. <laughs> right. Like, I, I never wake up in the morning hoping for the next day. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to wake up today knowing that I have an opportunity to make today fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm in control of most of the things that are going to occur. And it's going to be my opportunity to seize the day. Mm -hmm. Whereas most people are like, well, my job sucks or my relationship sucks or I'm too fat or I don't like where I'm at in my life. And then there's, there's no action behind it. It's just this constant narrative of misery over and over and over again until it reaches a critical point of desperation that forces them to change mm -hmm. or they just never change because they just feel like they're too far gone and they just say, fuck it. Mm -hmm. So both of those places are shitty places to be. And I understand how overwhelming and shitty it can feel to be there because I've been there mm -hmm. and it took me years of experience and maturity to get to a place where I knew that I was in control and I could change my narrative if I wanted to. Right. No, absolutely. And I think, I think that's like, a mic drop right there. It's just. <laughs>
I mean, sometimes it's 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 shitty to keep talking about the same things when it comes to mental health like this over and over again because we always i think you do this a lot i do this a lot i know kevin does this a lot other accounts that uh you know like casey joe is somebody who talks about this stuff a lot all of us as coaches are talking about this massive mental mind shift change that should occur with people in order to help them get to their nutrition and training goals yes yeah what are most people focused in on like well what workout should i do right or what's the best food that i should eat before i mm-hmm. train or what mm-hmm. supplements should i be taking like don't worry about that stuff like yes have right. a fucking plan of course right or like if you don't have a plan like it's it's i don't want to say it's simple it is simple <laughs> to get a coach to help you that's why our jobs exist because mm-hmm. you're not like running out there trying to youtube how to change a tire right or you're not trying to like figure out how to like balayage your own hair you're going to a hair <laughs> salon like you're going to a car deal detailing place you're you have other people doing these things for you that you don't want to learn about right but nutrition is something like you're going to put food in your mouth until your last breath right don't you want to figure out how to do it in the best way possible mm-hmm. it yeah. would it not be worth that six or 12 month investment to really figure it out once and for all or right. understand how to properly train and stop going to fucking orange theory and paying them all this money every month for no result Mm-hmm. like it's got to be so like I, I never want to be one of these people that's reliant on somebody else like I have a coach purely for accountability right I don't pay my coach to teach me anything like yes we have some intelligent discussions on like biomechanics and the nuances of nutritional timing but that's because we're at a place where we can talk about that right I mean sometimes I wish my clients were, were, were well versed enough to be able to be curious and talk about all this stuff but they're not yeah and they're looking to me to to give them answers to their problems right but also too, like it, the more I answer for you without having you be uncomfortable for that little bit, like spend that 10 minutes struggling. Right. And maybe find your own way out and then lean on me when things aren't actually going your way. And then you need that more of a direct answer. But like, I don't want to be just handing out answers all day long. Right. Because that's taking the power away from you being able to make that decision autonomous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's, I mean, coaching is a delicate balance of, of guidance and letting you roam like on your own. Right. And, and I think that's what the best coaches do. The best coaches are able to understand when do I push? When do I pull? Right. Like when I give you space, when do I tell you exactly what you need to fucking hear because you're eating your own bullshit. Right. Uh, so I think it is. And and that's like comes with being good coaching. I think also that to go back to is, you know, we always talk about how like, or the, the famous quote is like, you know, your weight loss is like 80% nutrition, 20% like exercise, right? But like, what you really realize, it's actually like 90% behavioral change, right? 5% nutrition, 5% exercise, right? Like, you're not going to do shit until you create these new habits, right? And these habits stick. And uh, I think that's one of the, the things I've learned through coaching is like, it's not j- nutrition fitness. It's like it's change, it's behavior change, because that's what keeps nutrition. That's what keeps fitness around. So you can get to that goal. Right. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're going to wrap up here, but I, I have one question. I always ask all my, all my guests because my, so my podcast calls these, these Lamones podcasts. And the reason I, I called it that is because I was at, actually at Jordan Syatt's like seminar back in like 2018, 2019. And, uh, and everybody was kind of like having like very vulnerable moments and kind of like really like, it was like a tear fest, like we were all like expressing like, you know, why we struggle with with our goals or anything like that. 
And then I, I got like the urge to, to speak up. And, uh, you know, I basically said like fitness and nutrition, like it, it doesn't fucking matter to me, not because like it doesn't matter, but because I get it right. Like I just understand it. Right. But the hardest thing for me was, you know, being vulnerable with people was communicating my feelings, like, you know, having my mental health be a strength or just communicate like, Hey, I'm struggling with depression and anxiety right now. Right. Um, and, and that's what I communicated. Right. And I, and I was just saying how, like, I've, I've realized through this journey that life is all about these little moments that sort of are ingrained in us that we can look back on and say, that's when really my life started to change. Right. So my question for you is what's, what's like a little moment that sticks out to you in life that you can look back and say, that was like what really prompted me to, to, to change. I would say that, that, that breakup in 2020 into mm -hmm. 2021, that just carried on for however long it carried on for. And just that, mm -hmm. I, that was definitely a very pivotal turning point that changed everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had already done a good amount of work prior, prior to that point, but mm -hmm. nowhere near the level of self-awareness and, and just mindful connection that I made because of that hardship. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, I'm so happy that happened. Yeah. And it, it was tough because for a while, like I had blamed all my bullshit on the individual that had hurt me. Right. And I was always using right. the terminology of like, you hurt me as opposed to like, the hurt was a byproduct of you just being on your own journey, figuring your own shit out, not knowing yeah. how to deal with it. Right. You no. Know, so I think like we, we can't like, it, it wasn't a malicious act. It mm -hmm. wasn't like she was out to get me or like trying to destroy my soul or whatever. Like she didn't do it on purpose. She just right. was like, she was acting in accordance to her free will. Right. And that's what we're always going to do as people. Like we have free will. Some of us know how to use it productively and, and without damaging other people. Yeah. Some of us haven't figured out how to use it properly yet. So if, if you want to spin around this planet and have the best possible experience, learn how to use your will, your free will accordingly. And that means everything from what you put in your mouth to what you look at on social media to how you show up for other people in your life. Mm -hmm. Here it is, baby. And, so, and that's and that's a wrap. Where uh tell the people where they can find you and, and all those good things. So I'm on I'm on Instagram basically all day. It's kind of an extension of my hand at this point. So <laughs> uh my handle is at amongst four. other things. Yeah, no, it's not that it doesn't fill up much of my hand anymore. The phone's much bigger. Uh it's at four weeks to the beach. So the number's four and the number's two weeks to the beach. Um, and then if there's a, there are any coaches or even lay people that are listening that are interested in kind of developing their skill sets across the disciplines of nutrition, training, mindset. I I host a seminar, a two-day seminar every year in Vegas that's called the Real Coaches Summit. It's called Coaches Summit, but lay people are welcome because you will get a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. um, this year, it's going to be March 11th and 12th in Vegas. And the website you can find out more information on is realcoachessummit2023.com. I'm married to the 2023 now because I bought that domain name and now I can't change it. <laughs> but at least we'll know when the event started 20 years from now. Right. We'll know See, that it started in 2023. It's the origin. <laughs> yeah, it's the first year ever and it'll always be the year on the thing. So uh, yeah, I'm having my I'm having my website person uh, just build me a logo without the date this year. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> That way we're not like 2024 and 2025, but um, yeah, it's 14 presenters. Two of them will be speaking at each time. And it's going to be everybody from Jason Brown, who's a master 
training programmer to Shante Cofield, who's a master marketer who works with Jill Coleman, um, to Susie Spurlock, who's a doctor of physical therapy, who does a lot of great stuff with movement. Um, Joel Jameson, who's like the godfather of conditioning and all sorts of people. So if you're in the space, if you're just looking to learn, level up your coaching practice, or if you're just a person who's looking to improve their own skill sets across different disciplines and be in a room of people that understand what the fuck you're doing. Cause I think a lot of times it's very alienating to be on this journey because most of America is not on this journey. Mm -hmm. So you feel like you're like, well, I'm this crazy person who's weighing their food and getting the salad at TGI Fridays and not drinking and doing all this exercise. It gets to be a little lonely, but when you realize there are right. other people that are doing what you're doing, it starts to become a little bit more cohesive. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll definitely have to buy my ticket for that event as well. Yeah. Go to Vegas. Excellent. Awesome, dude. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, thank you again for me on the podcast. We'll, we'll hop off and chit chat a little bit more, but uh, love you, dude. Appreciate you. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, gang. <laughs> thank you, sir. All right, dude. See you in a bit. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of these Little Moments podcast. And a thank you again to Aram. Very much appreciate your your appearance, your uh, your no bullshit attitude, and of course, your uh, your genuine approach to weight loss and mental health and physical fitness. If you'd like to find Aram, make sure you check the show notes below. Everything will be linked there. If you enjoyed this episode pretty please with sugar on top leave a five star review for this episode if you enjoyed it if you didn't come back for the next one maybe you'll like that one i hope really hope anyways if you'd like to work together lose fat for good you can apply for coaching at bodybyryan.com coaching i love you very much thank you so much for listening to this episode i'll see you in the next one peace out guys